Hi, Janina. Hi, Emma. How you doing? I'm all right, a little bit clammy, but other than that, okay. How about you? Not too bad. Warm. Yeah. Mostly. It's, um, it's, it's the, very warm. The second little spurt of summer of the year. Yeah. Um, it was. It's not as warm today as it was yesterday. When I was literally incapable of sitting in my office because it was too hot. <laughs> um, so that's good. But yeah, enjoying the two minutes of summer that we get here. Yeah. Uh, before it goes back to raining all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, take what you can get so but i'm doing okay um what are we doing here right now uh we are answering history questions for people who can't be bothered to do the research themselves uh yeah. that is what we do and that, that is what, what we, we are do. doing and that's what we are doing and today we are answering a question from tom hepworth um who asked us what are the greatest great escapes in history uh, which sounded like a nice, fun one. It's a very fun one. We are not uh, including The Great Escape. Uh, we just discussed no. this and we decided that you can just watch the movie if you want that one. Yeah, everyone's done like The Great Escape. And also we do our best not to talk about World War Two at all times. <laughs> yeah, I actually found a couple of World War Ones and Twos and I was like, nah. nah. Can't be bothered. Uh, problem with the war is everybody does. Like there's literal whole podcasts which are just about the war. Yeah, um, so... You can listen to that James Holland one. He's probably done it. Probably. Because um, he only loves the war. Um, so, yeah, so we haven't got the great escape. Also, I don't think anyone climbs out of a tower on a bed sheet or anything. Yeah. My, everything about my knowledge of the great escape, a film I have not seen, um, is that Steve McQueen is in it and then he comes out on a motorbike. Yeah, I um, think so. He just, like, climbs... Do they, they he gets a on a motorbike and then sure drives they, out, They I dig guess. a tunnel and then get on some motorbikes. Oh, do they dig a tunnel? I think maybe they dig a tunnel, but I have not and probably will not watch The Great Escape myself, so... No, I'm never going to watch it. Um, So, But you can, should you wish to know about people escaping from whatever the Nazis in whatever they were escaping from. Um, Instead, we've done... We've got a couple of prison escapes, um, the big ones, and then lots of people climbing out of towers, mostly, and pretending to be people that they're not, and um, hiding in things... And having a good time. Yeah, fun ones. Less war Yeah, ones. fun ones. Yeah. Uh, we decided to interpret great, both of us, separately as just the most fun. <laughs> yeah. I did, uh, a, did a bunch of reading on escapes and picked the ones I liked. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. I have not included any d- details on why anyone was needed to escape because that part's not so fun. <laughs> I do have some details on what people were escaping from. Uh, the ones, to... b- basically, the ones that were about prison. I was like, I don't care whether they were arrested. You don't care. <laughs> no. You've no interest in whether they deserve to escape or not. Absolutely uh, not. None. I mean, I'm pretty sure most people housed in prison within the last, you know, in in reasonably modernish times, if if I'm pretty sure none of them deserve to be in those sorts of conditions because prisons are inhuman. Um, True. But generally against them. Generally um, against them. But yeah, so we're just going to take it in turns to go back and forward and do um, the our favourite. Yeah, yeah, the, the ones, ones that we thought were good. Yeah. Do you want to start or shall I? Um, I can start. Yeah, um, go for it. I started with my personal favourite um, because I thought I would get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And it's one that just delights me on almost every level. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is Charles II's escape from the New Model Army in 1651, um, mm-hmm. having been defeated in the English Civil War at the Battle of Worcester. Um, and his father had been, Charles I, had been captured. Can't remember if he was dead at this point, but he was certainly either he had been will executed be soon if he or was about already. to be. Um, Charles II and his army were um, completely ruined and had no real chance of success and it was very clear that the royalist um the royalist cause had lost and Mm -hmm. so he needed to get the hell out of england basically um yeah he fled to from worcester to shropshire where he was taken in basically he goes on this like long trek around England, desperately trying to get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, first, he tries to go to Wales, um, and on his way, he hi- he just hides in various friends' houses mm-hmm. and people who are um, 
loyal to the cause. Um, most of the time he spends dressed as a peasant or as a labourer. Um, mm-hmm. And his friends, who are themselves like earls in Shropshire, teach him how to talk with a Shropshire accent <laughs> um, and how to walk like a labourer. Mm-hmm. Um, no further details given, sadly, but quite a so lot no of detail one, given. So no one commented on how good his Shropshire accent became? No, but he is a very, very good actor, it seems, and very good at doing um, accents and things, because as we will see, this is quite a long, it takes like a month for him to get out of mm-hmm. the country. So he spends nearly a month like traipsing up and down England dressed as a labourer, mostly dressed in a leather doublet, green breeches and a green jacket, a greasy grey hat, this is the worst bit, without a lining. Oh. No, not even a lining. <laughs> uh, and a coarse noggin shirt. Um, noggin decided shirt? not to look up noggin shirt because I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is fair. That's... They then cut his hair into a mullet. Um, <laughs> which I like the probably explains that... why he got so into wigs. Mm, I like the implication that the, the poor style of a mullet has has always been has always been Yeah. There. Um it's like just you know the poor they've got bad hair and greasy hats <laughs> without linings um so he hides in a wood then spends a week or so walking across Shopstrick. first he tries to go to wales and when it's clear that he cut, he's not going to be able to get past um parliamentarian forces he then goes back towards bristol mm-hmm. um in um a place called boscobel house um he gets trapped and has to hide in a wood uh, and while the militia are searching for him, he has to climb up a tree and hide on a tree for a full day. Um, and that tree is called the Royal Oak, and it still exists today. Baskerville House is still there, obviously. It's like a like English heritage site or whatever. Mm. Um, but they cut down all of the other trees. <laughs> They just gave up when they got to that one. They're like, oh, well, no, they kept here. that one like over oh, the oh, de- mean over, over the centuries. I thought you meant at the time they were like hunting for him in no, the forest no. by cutting down all the trees, and they just they, gave they up just searched they the right through. One. Um, and he was up a big oak, but in the intervening centuries, they have cut down all of the other trees mm-hmm. except that one. I think it's not even the exact one. It's like the uh, the child of the one that mm-hmm. he hid up. Um, but now when people go there, a problem that they have that they have to explain constantly is that they say, and this is where Charles II hid up a tree, and it's just in the middle of a like garden, like a <laughs> a lawn, basically, with a single tree in the middle of it. And everyone's like, did they not just look in the one tree? <laughs> and then they have to explain at length that there was a really big wood <laughs> and there were loads of trees. <laughs> Um, but it just looks really stupid now because it's just a single... It doesn't look like somewhere you could hide at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so he hid up the tree. Then when night fell, snuck back into the house and then hid in a priest hole until he could get away. Um, he then goes all the way up to the Midlands, disguised as a labourer. Mm-hmm. At one point in Bromsgrove, um, he has a chat with a blacksmith and he tries to get some information out of the blacksmith and he says, oh, do you know you know what's happening Um with the rebellion and the blacksmith like goes off about how he wants the rogue Charles Stewart to be caught um, and he hears <laughs> that he's on the run uh, and um, is like you know if I ever caught him I'd tear him apart with my bare hands and Charles is like yes yes I too would like him to be caught that rogue Charles Stewart <laughs> um, and then shuffles off um, gets away with that because he's so good at um, convincing people that he's definitely not the king mm-hmm. Um the only time he ever really stumbles is in Sirencester because he really gets around where they put him to work as a servant. Um, I was going to ask if, if anyone ever tried to hire him. Yeah, so they um, he's disguised so they put him to work and he's <laughs> so shit at roasting meat <laughs> that he has to, that he gets like chulled off and laughed at by the head cook in the <laughs> kitchen. And so he has to convince the cook that he came from a household that was so poor that they had never had meat. Uh, and so he had never cooked meat before. <laughs> um, 
In Bridgeport, he walks directly into an inn to try and get housing, uh, and the guy recognises him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, I I know your face, mate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he manages to convince this lad that they had both worked together as ostlers to a <laughs> Mr. Potter in Exeter. <laughs> guy the best king england has ever had he is this is one of these reasons why he's my favorite prior to this um he he ended up in bridgeport because he had found a captain who had said that he would take him to france on a private boat (laughs) um and they had arrived and then the captain hadn't shown up and the captain later claimed that he had not arrived at the meeting because his wife had locked him in his bedroom (laughs) um and so he um at that time was pretending to be engaged to his friend's niece and um, they were pretending to be a a couple trying to get to France so that they could elope. Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually they make it to Shoreham by sea, um, which is where I am from. Um, And they, um, which is absolutely full of parliamentarians and they just decide that the best way to get through a situation is not to try and sneak and end up looking a bit suspicious mm. but to just walk straight through just carry a clipboard and walk like you meant to be there carry a clipboard and walk like you mean it so they walk straight through got on a boat and escaped to france amazing um but he spent almost a month um traveling around england convincing people left right and center that he was one not the king and two an ostler from essex <laughs> that's excellent if if yeah. royals were still like charles the second i wouldn't mind them so much and then spent a little bit of time in exile eventually the um puritans collapsed in on themselves cromwell died his son was rubbish and they were like will you come back please um and he yep. returned triumphantly in his magnificent wings with his magnificent wife, had magnificent mistresses, um, 400,000 children, <laughs> through massive parties, um, and everyone had a fabulous time. Yep, great time. Best king. Yeah. Best of all possible kings. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Um, and due to his month he spent in cool shirts, uh, he invented the waistcoat. <laughs> and to that I think they might are, be unrelated but he did invent the waistcoat so. we are very thankful <laughs> waistcoats are an excellent look well done Charles oh. II yeah so there you go Charles II hiding in a tree wearing a hat yeah pretending to be everybody great outstanding yeah um, my first one is an escape from Alcatraz the escape, the from, escape Alcatraz, from Alcatraz um, which I also haven't seen uh, but so this is three guys, originally four guys, but one of them failed and told on everyone. Uh, brother, the two brothers, John and Clarence Anglin, and their friend Frank Morris escaped from Alcatraz in 1962. They spent six months planning their escape. They loosened the air vents in their rooms by basically drilling tiny little holes the entire way around them so they could lift them out mm-hmm. whenever they wanted to. Um that meant that they could get into like a service utility corridor behind their cells that wasn't didn't have cameras or guards or anything because prisoners weren't supposed to have access to it at all. That then meant they could climb into the empty space above their cells and use it as like a workshop slash storage shed to prepare for their escape. Um, they collected together like dozens and dozens of raincoats which they mm-hmm. fashioned into life preservers and a raft um, they even used like there are really hot steam pipes in the prison not in the workshop just in the prison in general and they used the heat of those pipes to vulcanize the rubber so that it could survive in water do you know why they had such hot steam pipes in alcatraz i don't uh, because the governors decided that the showers would be very, very hot and they would couldn't turn the um, temperature down so that the prisoners would not be able to train themselves to be used to cold water. Oh, because the ocean is cold. Because the sea is very cold. So if they, mm. they had very hot showers so that um, they would be more likely to uh, fail to escape if they tried to get into the water. Huh, that is very sneaky it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well it's useful for these guys because they vulcanized all their rubber because yeah the didn't pipes. think that through didn't think that through um 
they their exit from the prison itself was a ventilator in the ceiling. So it was 30 feet. The ceilings were 30 feet high. So they used this pipe, the pipe system to climb up there and they prized open the ventilator. Um, and then to keep anyone from realizing that it was loose, they fashioned uh, bolts out of soap <laughs> <laughs> to hold it in place when they weren't escaping. Um, and I guess after they escaped, because they did want to have time to get away after it happened, um, they created fake heads out of plaster, which they painted in flesh tones and stuck real human hair too so they looked real so that they could leave them in their beds i think this was for both for when they were out of bed to work on their plan and also when they left to escape so that mm-hmm. when the night guards walked past yeah it so looked, they wouldn't see yeah. yeah it looked like they were just in bed um and they yeah once they once they decided to go they went out the ventilator Laters and just climbed over the wall, stuck to the north side of the island. The fourth guy's ventilator didn't open, so he just got stuck there. Um, and he's how uh, we know a bunch of the information about it because he just squealed completely. Um, and they just took off on their raft, and no one knows for sure what happened to them. The theory is that they drowned because there was no sign of them. The plan, their plan had been, according to the fourth guy, their plan had been to get to land and steal a car to take off over land but um there were no records of any thefts at all in the area um nothing from their families was ever ever seemed to indicate that they had escaped um so the theory is they drowned but no one's ever found their remains either yeah. so they could they could have got out yeah. i think a lot of people certainly believe that they um that they escaped and went to south central america yeah um, i think there was a postcard their mother got a postcard um, mm. that was not signed from them, but which was um, unsigned. Yeah. Which she took as a sign that they had survived and made it. Because who else is gonna? Who else is gonna send send you a postcard at all? Let alone none. Exactly. Probably. I mean, friends, um, I guess, but friends generally sign that. They generally say, "Having a lovely time. Wish you were here." Yeah, I saw a nice um, puffin. Thought of you. Not that anyone really does that anymore. We send text message instead. Like, yeah, we just we just expect people to to check our Instagram accounts. Yeah, and yeah, don't need to go into a French post office and attempt to persuade somebody that I speak enough French to buy a <laughs> un timbre pour Angleterre, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> um, I like to believe that they escaped. I like to believe they escaped. It's always more fun if they're successful. Unless yeah, they're way. true, horrible, uh, like, vicious murderers who then go on to do more vicious murders, then I am not in favour. But in general, it's more fun if they escape. Yeah, um, it is more fun. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just a, kind of a sad story. Yeah. Um, and they put loads of effort into it, so they deserved it. They put loads of effort. They made heads. They made heads, and one of them worked in a barber shop, and that's where they got the hair from. He would sweep up the hair and then hide it in his pockets. Yeah. Um, and they did loads of stuff to, um, yeah, and use the steam pipes to vulcanize their rubber and all sorts. Yeah, I feel like Very if you think to do that, then you deserve it. Like you deserve, yeah, you get like a bonus stamp and get to. <laughs> yeah, you did good get work. To get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, my next one is another royal escape, um, and is Mary Queen of Scots mm-hmm. escaped to England in 1568. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots, it was a disaster person who is overly <laughs> fondly remembered by everybody, in my opinion. Uh, my friend Seanine loves her, and I think she is a disaster who should probably have been kept as far away from everyone as possible. Um, it's very difficult to know, I think, to what extent she was a disaster because she was herself a disaster, and to what extent she was a disaster because everything around her was awful all the time. I mean, she makes just bad decision after she bad makes decision. A really. lot of bad decisions, but then it's hard to know what other, what her other options were. I mean, not murder her husband and then marry his murderer, I suppose, would be step one. (laughs) Um, Anyway, she uh, was the uh, Catholic Queen of Scotland, raised in France, came back to Scotland, became queen, uh, immediately clashed with all of the Protestant nobles there because this is the middle of uh, the Reformation. Um, She... um, 
her husband, Lord Darnley, was murdered in a garden um, when uh, Mary suddenly declared she enticed him to come to Edinburgh, I think it is, and then said, oh, I totally forgot, I have to go to the wedding of my servant. (laughs) You're not invited. Um, She went to a wedding. When she came back, her husband was dead in a garden. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody believed that... um, this guy whose name is completely uh, slipping my mind had done it. Um, so she obviously immediately married him. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, he did also kidnap her a bit, but still. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's this standard, whole... that standard uh, classic method of getting married where you, you kidnap the woman you want and just... Yeah. Then she, then she has to. And then she has to. Um, anyway... Everybody was like, oh, we feel like you were in on the murder of your husband. Also, we don't like that you're Catholic. Also, you're a disaster person. (laughs) So um, they stole her baby. They stole James, um, imprisoned her in Loch Leven Castle and forced her to abdicate um, in favour of her son. So James became James VI. um, And she was imprisoned in this castle, which is in the middle of a loch. So seemingly fairly safe. she immediately attempted to escape because for all of her many flaws as a disaster, she did not give up lightly. Um, her first attempt was the classic dress as a washerwoman and try and get on a boat. Um, it would end up working for Charles II, so you can't really fault her. Yeah, um, and it, it worked for Bonnie Prince Charlie, who mm. we will deal with later, um, <laughs> but did not work for her because the boatman took a look at her hands and the skin on her face and said, no. <laughs> You've never worked a day in your life. Though, like Blackadder, those are the hands of a woman who has never uh, <laughs> washed anything, ever. Um, and so he immediately gave her up and she was popped back in the castle. She then befriended her, the, her captor's brother, um, mm-hmm. who is like a teenage boy, um, and together they plot to have her escape. He puts on some May Day celebrations, like a big party, and they get in loads and loads of wine. Um, and he gets the party started and they get everybody very, very drunk and sleepy and mm-hmm. everybody else drunk and dancing. Um, and while he is distracting them with drunkenness and dancing, she literally just walks out the door. And they've like stuck all the other boats super tightly to the or they've, they've tied them up with special knots or some some such except for the one she's using to escape so once people notice she's gone they yes, take they some can't. ages to get their own boats free yeah exactly um but uh and she manages to get out she raises an army of six thousand men in a last ditch attempt to win it's immediately defeated literally two weeks later mm. um and so against the advice of everybody who is like you should go to france um, where you will still have some power. She makes a run for England instead, um, crosses into England, where they immediately arrest her and put her in prison for the next 19 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, where she attempts to escape another couple of times, but um, all of them go badly. And then she's tricked um, or set up, really, by... Um, an official of Elizabeth's court who sets up a line of communication whereby every letter that she sends and receives ends up going through him um, with everybody believing that he is somehow on her side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so as soon as she says, even like it's a very complicated line of communication which involves like things being hidden inside brewer's barrels and going from this diplomat to that diplomat and it's in a code but they all go across his desk. Um and so he just waits until she says, let's kill Elizabeth. And then he's like, off with her head. <laughs> and indeed, her head went off. Um, yeah, and indeed her head went off. But uh, but she did do that one quite good escape. It's a pretty good escape. It is a pretty um, good escape. And if she'd only gone to France instead of England, it would be a perfect escape. Could have been a different story. Yeah. Um, and then obviously her son was like, I want literally nothing to do with you, you disaster person. <laughs> um but yeah. Uh, yeah um my next one is actually very re- it doesn't i don't know that it counts as history it's very recent history it's from the 80s um but <laughs> it's delightful and it's uh it's it's just it's just a nice example of when the the traditions hold you know 
Um, and this is a very short story. This is the story of Jeffrey McCoy and Stephen Allen, who were awaiting trial in Manhattan at the Metropolitan Correctional Center. Um, so it's not like a proper prison. It's not like they were already on Rikers or anything, which is where they had been until their trial. They were started awaiting trial. Um, but they just uh, they were put in charge of cleaning one of the common areas while all of the other prisoners were in their cells. They were only being overseen by one guard. And the moment he turned his back, they jumped him, um, tied him up, and used some exercise equipment to break through the reinforced glass of the windows and then pulled out some bed sheets that they had prepared earlier, proper tied together bed sheets and just abseiled out the window. Um, Stephen Allen Amazing. was caught as they ran. Like he said, so they just caught up to him, the guards who, who saw them flee. But um, Jeffrey McCoy got away, at least for a while, using using the tried and true bed sheet method, which I think is delightful. I try, it's a classic bed sheet method. It's just mm. nice to know that people are still giving it a go, you know? <laughs> They're not leaving it behind as we develop newer technologies. Yeah, um, they are... Sometimes the classics just work. Sometimes they do. Um, much like my next one, which is Bonnie Prince Charlie. Um, <laughs> Bonnie Prince Charlie was the grandson of James the Second, aka James the Seventh, <laughs> aka the James that was very the Catholic king, the last Catholic king of England, who was overthrown by the. 1690 Glorious Revolution, the Orange Revolution, mm-hmm. whereby parliamentarians invited um, William and Mary to come. William and of Orange to come and overthrow the Catholic King, um, mm-hmm. leading to the Battle of the Boyne, which is celebrated on the 12th of July here every year, um, mm-hmm. and leading to the Protestant Ascendancy. Um, but the fact of being overthrown by his own Parliament. Um, and roundly defeated by a Dutchman, did not uh, necessarily put James or his family off of the idea that he was the true king of England. Um, <laughs> Tends not to. People tend to hold ten- on to that one. I mean, and also, he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Not to be rude or anything, but I think I might be a Jacobite. Um, mm. When I say might be, I'm pretty sure I'm a Jacobite. Anyway, <laughs> uh, his grandson... Um, who referred to himself as Charles III, uh, attempted to lead a um, an uprising in 1745 against mm-hmm. um, the English throne, um, coming from Scotland, mostly. Um, he was obviously defeated, uh, which was sad, but he was defeated and found it necessary to um, escape from Scotland um, and get back to France where he could be safe again. Um, he escaped by hiding across the moors, like spending weeks running across the moors um, mm-hmm. and hiding um, amongst Scottish um, f- like f- Scottish followers in their houses um, while the reward for his life became higher and higher. Um, eventually, it was £30,000 that they were offering for That's him not to... Bad. It's a very good reward in 1745. I mean, it's um, not bad now. I could live for a year off that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he um, <laughs> he's running across... Eventually, a woman called Flora MacDonald um, disguises him as a maid, um, mm-hmm. calling him Betty Burke... Uh, and puts him in a maid's outfit and a lovely dress um, Mm -hmm. and helps him escape over to the Isle of Skye um, where he is then able to get onto a French boat um, and escape to France. But um, he then spent the rest of his life scowling at England from across. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's fair. I'm never going to judge anyone for scowling at England. No, it's fair and reasonable, especially England at that time, especially yeah. when you are technically the legitimate king. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he uh, a classic dressing as a washerwoman um, yeah. and getting on a boat uh, and escaping. It's a classic for a reason. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It works sometimes. Not for Mary. <laughs> Every so often. Obviously, what I find interesting about this is that his hands were obviously not a giveaway. Yeah, or he just didn't come across someone who was smart enough to check hands. Maybe. Maybe mm. he wore gloves. Maybe. Um, anyway, so that's his great escape. That's outstanding. 
Um, <laughs> I have another, like, much more, even more modern one. And it's, this is my last modern one. And it's from 2006. So it's very, very recent history. But it okay. counts as history. It's not I mean, right. It's not current. So I'm counting it because it's fun. Um, okay. I'll let you have it because it's fun, even though I would normally... I mean, I normally call anyone who's doing anything after 1900 a sociologist. So That's completely fair. But... <laughs> I'm going to give you one a one line to convince you, which is that this right. is about Ralph J. Phillips, who was rumoured to have escaped the Erie County Correctional Facility using nothing but a can opener in 2006. <laughs> okay. Um, he said afterwards that he believed he was facing years in jail. He had broke. He thought he had broken his parole so many times they would just not let him do parole anymore, and he was going to be sent to jail for years. Whereas, in fact, he would have been out in a couple of days if he had not escaped while he was on the run he unfortunately shot three state troopers one of whom died so he ended up being sent back to prison for life after this yeah um, which is why we know uh, what actually happened because while in prison he gave an interview to the new york times where he reveals that the canopy rumor is not quite accurate what he did was he poked a hole through the tin and rubber roof of one of the warehouses that was on the prison grounds um using a he using like a screwdriver and the lid of a of a industrial sized can to cut through. Um, and okay. then, I know, which is, I mean, still not bad. Um, he then had a mirror that he stuck to a pole so he could poke it through his hole and check <laughs> that no one was around. And then just Brilliant. um, scarped to the woods where he had out for a while. The reason he didn't just take off in general is that he saw the mayor talking about him on tv and he never he never told anyone what the mayor said but he said something that just pissed him off so much that he decided (laughs) to make a fool out of the mayor uh as for as long as he could uh so he just kind of hung out in the woods for a while pranking the state troopers who were after him um he got hold of a state trooper uniform so he could wear that as a disguise and once chatted to one of the real troopers for an hour without him recognizing him even though he was part of a search party for him um he led a couple of state troopers so deep into the woods uh, pretending that he was out of breath so they thought they had a chance to keep up with him which they did not (laughs) um he just led them so deep that they got lost themselves and had to call in a helicopter to do a search and rescue for them um but he did eventually have a couple of shootouts that didn't go so well and then his daughter convinced him to turn himself in um and he's never said what she said to him like she called him on a a phone that he had and and convinced him to turn himself in and so now he's serving life in prison for shooting state troopers um but he did have a fun time on the way there so that's nice well yeah um Sounds like him and Charles II might go on. I reckon. Uh, I reckon they would. Like having a good chat uh, to people who are technically looking for you all the time. Yeah. But anyway, that's the uh, last modern one. I promise all the all the others are suitably historical. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, mine are my next two are um, people escaping from slavery in the American South. Mm-hmm. Um, and technically you could do hundreds of these, but I just chose the two that I like the best um, as being the most novel um, and dramatic ways, or not even dramatic, but just novel and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first is Henry Box Brown. Um, and you'll see why he's called Henry Box Brown in a minute. Um, he was born in 1816 and he was born enslaved um, and spent his entire life in slavery in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, he was trained and he was um, hired out by his enslaver in town. Um, and he technically, he like he wasn't a plantation um, worker. He was a skilled worker who worked in, in town. Um, mm-hmm. And while there, he um, married... Uh, his wife and had three children with her all of whom were also enslaved Mm. Um, and he was paying his uh, enslaver money to as a promise basically his the guy who literally owned him and took almost all of the money from the work that he did Mm -hmm. um, was also forcing him to pay him um, under so that he wouldn't sell any of them basically so he was bribing uh, a person that he owned yeah jesus christ 
And then he reneged on the deal. So he was taking money from mm-hmm. Henry um, to protect the lives of his wife and children. And he reneged on the deal and sold all of them to different people. Jesus. I mean, I'm not, in I different don't know states. why I'm surprised. You know. Yeah. Um, Henry, like, this broke his heart, basically. And he was mm-hmm. like, look, I'm not sticking around here. So he persuaded a, some friends to help him escape from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is 1849. So it's not that long ago, incidentally. Yeah. Um, like, the children of his children are probably still alive. Um, he persuaded a friendly carpenter to build him a small box. It's two foot by three foot mm-hmm. um, with little holes in it. Um, he then sealed himself inside that box and got the got two friends to post the box to the Pennsylvania Anti-Slavery Society in Philadelphia. Jesus. Um, he was then sent on a 27-hour journey across cart and train and steamer um, and then train again. <laughs> um, most of it upside down, even though they wrote this way up on it. Um, <laughs> without, with only water. He had a little bit of water. Mm-hmm. Um, he managed to make it, however, having been crammed in the box. And so when they opened it, being like, hey, someone sent us a present. I wonder what this could be. Apparently he popped out, or kind of fell out, I assume, mm-hmm. um, and said, how do you do, gentlemen? <laughs> Um, he then um, became a prominent member of the anti-slavery society, obviously, an mm-hmm. outspoken um, anti-slavery campaigner. But he also trained himself to become a performing magician and mesmerist. That is fantastic. Um, and spent years me- working as a magician before retiring to Canada and lived in Toronto. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's, there you go. That's excellent. And for the rest of his life, people referred to him as Box Brown. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, which feels, I don't know, like like I did one thing. Uh- <laughs> it's a pretty impressive thing, though. And it's also like, I don't know, I feel like if that was me, I'd be pretty stoked to have escaped slavery and to celebrate the ingenious way that I did it, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mm. suppose, like, a lot of your life is going to be um talking about that as yeah, well yeah a lot of the people apparently were very into um like considered it to be a brilliant uh demonstration of how great the postal service was <laughs> um incidentally um for he wasn't like the world's greatest hero because the guy who had bought his wife mm-hmm. um contacted him after he had become a bit famous and offered to sell him his wife and children mm-hmm. um and he said no thank you and then <laughs> married someone else fucking hell that, that does that does cast a shadow over his legacy so i think it seems that his uh, interests were more um <laughs> uh, more about himself and how cross he was yeah. that they had reneged on the situation rather than the fact that he wanted his family back um, yeah but yeah um, so so yeah uh, apparently the society and the abolitionist community found that information very embarrassing and tried not to tell anybody about it <laughs> I mean there's fear because it is dodgy yeah it doesn't like, look he great. could have just bought her Frida and never seen her again but he was like not interested now, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's cold. Cold, yeah. I know. But there you go. But he did uh, did escape himself. I mean, yeah, and an imp- in an impressive way. Yeah, very um, smart, very smart, extremely smart. I yeah. have um, I have a selection from the Tower of London, so okay. I might do a couple at once because there are quite a few, uh, and they're not long. Uh, okay. So the first one I think is probably the most famous is John John Gerard 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 probably probably um, Gerard who was a well I don't think there's an a second R unless I've typed his name in wrong which I might have done um, who <laughs> was a Jesuit priest who was imprisoned in the Tower during the reign of Elizabeth I for being Catholic um, instead of a good Protestant like he's supposed to be at this point in history he befriended his 
guard by giving him oranges that someone had sent him. This is still the period where the Tower of London is like, you know, it's the prison for for fancy people, so they're still treated a bit fancy. So they get to fancy. they get to be sent oranges and things. Um, <laughs> and he persuaded the guard to send messages for him. Um, unbeknownst to the guard, he was apparently also using the orange juice to write additional messages in invisible ink so the guard oh my didn't God, know classic like classic. he's doing you're a child with lemon yeah, juice yeah with lemons exactly um and so he arranged this whole plot to be rescued uh because he knew he could get out of the tower um but the problem was getting beyond it like he could put hang a rope out but the rope wouldn't go anywhere so he needed someone at the other end to so uh, he could yeah. so he could clamber out which he managed to do Despite the fact that his he'd been tortured quite badly and his hands were um, a mess, he still managed to clamber across this rope from the tower. Um, and he brought the guard with him because he knew that if the guard was left, he would be blamed for his escape and punished for it. Which is a nice touch. Like yeah, that is nice. Um, where did they go? Do you know? Well, I didn't write it down. I think he just chilled. I think he maybe went to France and chilled. But I can't oh, fair enough. be They sure. always go to France. It's great. Yeah, I mean, a Catholic. like a little expat community out there of people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's why I guess that's why um, it is Gerard. Now that I, I've, I've double, I've double checked, and yes. Um, <laughs> oh no, he stayed in England and kept being a priest. Oh, good for him. Just like on the sly, and then he died at seventy-three. Good for him. Yeah. He died in Rome, though, so I think he did do some travelling as well. But, yeah, he, he hung around being a, being a Catholic boy in the Protestant England. Um, the next one is a guy called Ra- Ranulf or Ralph Flambard. That feels like one of those names that's changed over time. Who uh, was imprisoned in 1101. And he, again, because you're allowed to be fancy there, he just ha- hosted amazing parties while he was there for, like, six months. He just... <laughs> had incredible parties and became the party prisoner until he got everyone drunk enough that they didn't notice when he just stole a rope and abseiled down the side. So, that uh, is very classic. Get classic, everybody get drunk. everyone drunk and then just scarper and they don't notice, uh, which yeah. is very good. Yeah. Everyone is too sleepy and, um, and you can just leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, another classic is Alice Tankerville, the only woman to ever have escaped the tower. And uh, this is in 1534, another class- classic method. She seduced the guard and per- persuaded her, him to um, to get some rope and to copy the key for the outer gates. Uh, and the two of them ran, ran off together but were found pretty quickly and killed Aww. horribly. Oh. But they did make it for like a, a few minutes. A, a minute or two. Yeah, a minute or two. Right, yeah, seduce the guards, the Mary Queen of Scots approach. Yeah. Um, I mean, she did both. Though, but she... She, did, she got them drunk. She got seduced someone and then the two of them got and everyone then, drunk. Yeah. Mm. Um, and also, she attempted to seduce one of her captors and then um, he kept taking her to like the baths in Bath um, <laughs> until people were like, look, this is getting embarrassing. Like, you've got a wife. Um, yeah. Calm it down. Keep it in your yeah. pants. Exactly. Um, okay, my next one is uh, William and Ellen Craft mm-hmm. from uh, 1846, who were um, enslaved people in Georgia who met and fell in love and married, again, working um, in a town. Uh, I think kind of assumed that it's all plantation, but there were a lot of enslaved people who mm-hmm. um, worked in different situations. Um, they were enslaved by different people and were terrified that one of them would be sold or moved um, Mm. and they would be separated so they decided to escape to the north again to philadelphia together um and they came up with a brilliant plan whereby ellen cut her hair covered herself in bandages um and put her arms in slings and pretended to be a seriously injured white man rich (laughs) white man that's fantastic yeah um and Thus, she had William pose as her black manservant. Mm-hmm. Um, and together, they travelled by train and steamer, travelling first class and staying in good hotels and going to nice restaurants in order to maintain a cover as a rich white guy mm-hmm. and his servant. Because you couldn't, can't be a poor white guy and your servant. She no. wouldn't have a servant. Um, so they did, had, did like a fancy trip 
from Georgia to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, she had her arms in slings, claiming they're broken so that she wouldn't have to sign anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd have to sign for tickets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she um, managed to avoid it by saying that she couldn't. And obviously they would never ask William to do it. So uh, at one point, a guard refused to sell her a train ticket because she wouldn't sign anything. Um, but their captain of the ship that they had just got off of claimed was happened to be passing and vouched for her <laughs> um, and said, oh, no, no, this they've been travelling. He, uh, he knows where he is. Um, and so they managed to get on the train and they made their way to Philly where they then travelled to Boston and then they um, were so afraid of... Um, slave hunters people who would um hunt down um people who have escaped from slavery in order to resell them back into slavery and get the bounty mm-hmm. um they well, I don't uh, think tra- were particularly careful about making sure the people they were hunting were actually they were not escaped slaves. they would just grab black people yep. <laughs> um but they were so very reasonably afraid of that that they then moved to england where they wrote an account of their um of their escape and how they had got away and the um kind of risks that they had taken and then mm-hmm. they lived happily forever in England. That's amazing. That is a great Yeah. Um it is so ballsy to be like, well why don't you just pretend to be a white guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and just like confidence your way, like carry a clipboard and yeah. walk with purpose. It's <laughs> yeah. the only um, way to do it. And it must have been simultaneously terrifying and very cool. Yeah. I bet I bet they had some laughs privately about all the people that were duping. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah. So I think they're pretty cool. Yeah. That's badass. Um, the next person I have is Edmund Neville, who didn't actually manage to escape, but I like his attempts. Um, so he was, this is Tower of London again, um, between 1585 and 1610. Uh, so his first attempt was just to file through the bars and throw out a rope and swim through the moat. Um, what got him caught this time is that moat water is really smelly. So um, he stood out like a sore thumb once he got on the outside and was tracked down and re-imprisoned very quickly. Um, the second time he tried, he basically did the same thing, but the rope that he was using was too short. It was, again, a makeshift bed, your classic bed sheet, uh, rope. It was too short. Uh, so he had to jump into the water and the guards heard the splash. So again, he was caught really, really quickly. His third attempt is the best thing I have ever heard. He sat motionless in his room every night for months so that the guards who were assigned to him would get used to the fact that he just was a very still man. And and then he built a dummy out of straw so it could sit there instead and no one would question it because he was well known to be (laughs) such a still man. (laughs) Um, And he just got such a boring way. Um, and he disguised himself as a blacksmith, um, but he unfortunately, uh, someone just recognised him on the gate and uh, he got re-imprisoned again and eventually was uh, sent to the Americas because no one could be bothered putting up with the nonsense anymore. Fair. Yeah. Um, um, sounds like it's a lot of effort to keep these people in prison sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the It was a better, better attempt, though, than... <laughs> This guy called Tyron Van Yao, who was uh, who attempted to escape the tower in 1244 using a classic rope made of, be- made of bed sheets, but he didn't do a very good job of it, and it broke, and he fell and died. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> no. I mean, it is, um, it's been hundreds of years. It is, yeah. It is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, how awkward. You'd be like, yes, 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 and then no, no, yeah. no. Yeah. No. Um, all right, my next one is another dressing up as a girl one. Fantastic. Uh, so I've got some nice ancient ones because, you know, I can't do anything without having the ancient one. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one comes from Herodotus um, mm-hmm. and it is a story of um, some men of frankly confusing heritage. They're Etruscan. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, basically, their fathers had been Etruscan kind of raiders and had uh, kidnapped some Athenian women and then had children with these Athenian women. Um, 
And so they were of mixed Etruscan Athenian heritage. Mm-hmm. The article, um, I found an article that was like um, basically, basically it was from the 50s when apparently you could write any old shit and get it published in an academic <laughs> journal. Um, and it was, it's literally in Greece and Rome, which is one of like the main classics journals. Uh, it's called Some Escapes and Escapers from the Ancient World. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it was written in the 50s, um, and you could write any old shit. The guy who wrote it literally called them Etruscan half-breeds. <laughs> uh, which is the kind of thing you find in 50s classics journals that makes you just want to put your face in your hands and die. Um, anyway, they're of mixed Etruscan-Athenian heritage, but um, they are living in Greece. And because they are not um, pure, pure blood, basically, mm-hmm. um, they... Um, are considered then like nobody will accept them <laughs> nobody wants them to live in their town mm-hmm. um because as much as people will like to tell you that racism did not exist in the ancient world it 100 <laughs> percent did um they eventually ended up uh, fighting in uh, spartan wars alongside the spartans but because they were not spartan um and the spartans were real big into pure bloodlines mm-hmm. um they were considered to be traitorous or that they were untrustworthy so when the mm-hmm. war ended they were all imprisoned um and the their wives all got together and plotted um to get their husbands out uh, and so they full blackadder style persuaded the guards to let them see their husbands one last time uh-huh um like let us go in just one last time and see our husbands before they go um and they so they were allowed in uh, because they were girls and no one thought that they would do anything mm-hmm. where they persuaded their husbands to switch clothes with them and their husbands put on their dresses and their veils mm-hmm. um, and Herodotus really leans into the veils as being like the thing because apparently the fact that the guys are big war men like they're soldiers <laughs> <laughs> but a veil is all it takes <laughs> <laughs> While the women stay in the men's clothes in prison, um, it's so that their husbands can escape. So they just basically swap places with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the men then kind of walk out of the prison with the uh, guards going, see you ladies, have a good time. <laughs> um, at, uh, at which point the men get out, um, inspire the helots. So the helots are like this um, it's really complicated uh, situation with Sparta but the helots are um, non-Spartan people who live in the Spartan area mm-hmm. um, who are kind of serfs basically sure. um, and they are not allowed to own anything they're not allowed to engage in anything political but they are forced to work and fight as soldiers anyway they inspire the helots to revolt seize the um, fortified part of the city and then force the Spartans to release their wives and give them money and ships so that they will leave. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, whereupon they go to Crete um, and live happily ever after. That's fantastic. That is amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. So a classic. That is a Face classic. veil. That's the line. All you need is a face veil. Um, in theme, my final... Tower of London is William Maxwell, the fifth Earl of Nithsdale, who um, who was imprisoned in 1775. So again, his wife got to marry well, marry a badass woman, because if you get imprisoned, this is what they will do for you. She and a few of her friends smuggled in women's clothing the day before his execution. Uh, presumably for similar sort of like reasons. I want to say farewell to my husband before he is, you know executed and Mm -hmm. that seems not unreasonable um so she dressed him up she kept her own clothes uh so that everyone could leave uh and also made him up a bit like to to be more convincing um and just chatted with him as they strolled out of the tower um he then watched from an attic as the friends he had been arrested with um were executed the next day and uh guards had been posted on every route out of London to try and find him. But he just snuck in a carriage uh, with the ambassador of of Venice, the Venetian ambassador's crest on it, and no one looked inside because diplomatic community. Um, And so he and his wife just uh, scarpered out the country and lived happily ever after. Very good. Very good. 
I like one that ends happily ever after. I've realised um, uh, about halfway through I was telling the last one that I'd said it was from Herodotus, and it's not Herodotus, it's Plutarch. Yeah. Um, so I apologise to everybody who is shouting. <laughs> Obviously it's Plutarch, you idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, Plutarch. This one is from Herodotus. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, is Democedes of Croton. Mm-hmm. Um, Croton, an underused name for a fantasy baddie. Um, <laughs> it really is. Um, but uh, actually a place in Greece. But mm-hmm. still, someone should use it. Um, so he becomes a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. He moves to Croton after he has a falling out with his dad. Um, and he uh, becomes a very famous doctor in Greece um, and eventually works his way to the point where he is the doctor to the tyrant of Samos, um, whose name is Polycrates. Polycrates. Mm-hmm. Um, Polycrates is at the time having a bit of a back and a forth with um, the uh, satrap of Lydia, whose name is Oroetes. Um, and they're having a bit of a thing going on and um, Polycrates is apparently not very clever because the satrap basically says, um, come and visit. We'll have a nice visit. Maybe we can work this all out, mm-hmm. um, even though we've tried to invade you several times um, <laughs> and you keep fighting us off. But maybe come come and have dinner. Um, and he says, yes, sure, I will come. Um, he goes to Lydia, at which point um, he is immediately impaled and crucified. Sure. Um, his... Samian entourage are all sent back um, to Samos, uh, but his non-Samian are enslaved and imprisoned and kept in Lydia, including uh, Demochides. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where his plan gets complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so he is now, he's gone from being great doctor to he's now um, an enslaved man. Mm-hmm. Um, Darius I of the Persian Empire then overthrows Lydia um, and takes Demochides as booty. Um, while he is uh, there travelling, he discovers that Darius has fallen off a horse and badly broken his ankle, um, mm-hmm. and his Egyptian doctors um, are incapable of dealing with it for some reason. <laughs> um, and he's not sleeping, and he's very grumpy, and he finds out that Demochides is a doctor, and he b- forces him to treat him, and Demochides gives him painkillers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which pleases Darius so much that he makes him his official doctor. Um, he then becomes like the court doctor and treats Darius's wives, and he becomes particularly close to one of them, and then tries to persuade her to persuade Darius to launch an invasion of Greece. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, the best she can do is persuade Darius to send spies to kind of scout out the situation in Greece and see if that is a worthwhile thing to do. I mean, that's um, smart. That's, he's a smart man. Yes. And Democrides manages to get himself um, kind of... He manages to persuade Darius that he should be sent to guide the Persians around Greece because otherwise they won't know where they're going and they mm-hmm. won't speak Greek and they won't know what to do. They go to Greece. As soon as they land, they land in Taras, um, he immediately goes to the king and says, those lads, I'm with the spies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And they're arrested, at which point Demochides goes, well, back in Greece, everything's fine. <laughs> and he goes home. <laughs> That might be my favourite. I think that's my yeah. favourite of all of them. The sp- Persian spies um, eventually get out of prison somehow. Um, and are like, we know exactly what he's done. So they go to Craton to see if he's there. He is. He's <laughs> just gone home. Um, and is practising as a doctor. They find him like in the town square. Um, and they try to re-arrest him as a, an escaped slave. Um but the people of the town intervene and fight them off and chase them out of town. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, at which trying, point... Trying to kidnap him at this point. He's home. He's in his home. <laughs> yeah. At which point, Demokides then sends him a letter and says, look, I'm home. You're not having me. Also, I'm engaged to the daughter of a very famous wrestler and he'll beat you up if you come back. <laughs> <laughs> so they just go back My to... My father-in-law <laughs> is the rock. Exactly, my dad will beat up your dad. <laughs> yeah, so he just goes through this ludicrous th- like thing of persuading someone to let him go home. <laughs> That's outstanding. 
Yeah. Um, my, I have my, I have one more. Uh, okay, and, I have one more, and it is another box. It's a Dutch a Dutch guy called Hugo Grotius. I think I, it's probably wrong pronunciation. He was a theologian and humanist um, who got all caught up in the Dutch uh, religious reformation and found himself imprisoned in Louvestein Castle because he kept saying things about how the divine right to rule was bollocks and people should have a say, um, which didn't go down very well. So he hid in a chest of books. And got carried yep. out, and then <laughs> and then fled to France and just kept writing shit from exile about how bad the monarchy is. Very good. Very good. Simple. Like hiding and washing, but people expect it to be heavy. These are the classics. You've got put, go in a box, dress up as a washerwoman, and a sheet out the window. Yeah. Get people drunk. Those Get are, people drunk. Those are the, um, the gold seduce standard. Seduce someone. Seduce someone. Yeah. Um, okay, my last one is a guy who escaped three times mm-hmm. and is still somehow remembered as a hero, <laughs> even though he that means he was captured three times mm-hmm. uh, during his lifetime. This comes from Pausanias, um, his description of Greece, um, in his Aristomini- Aristomenes, um, the king of Messenia, mm-hmm. um, which was a place that the Spartans tried to take over several times. Um, and he held them off for a very long time. But such is war in ancient Greece that people get captured and then go back and then go get captured again and then go back because it's seasonal. Um, <laughs> uh, and everybody needs to go home and do harvest at some point. So you can only fight for a couple of months a year and then everybody has to go home again. Um, the chillest army gig in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, so... First time he is caught is when he is attempting to attack a sanctuary to Demeter um, during a sacrifice. Uh, he presumably mm-hmm. thinks that the uh, because it's all priestesses there that he'll be able to take them just by being a man and rattling a sword. Mm-hmm. Um, he underestimates them seriously because they hit him really hard with their torches and then stab him with the knives they've been using to sacrifice animals. <laughs> yeah, those knives um, are going to be sharp. Yes. Um, yes, he's then... Um, tied up and they're sending people to Sparta to say that they've got him but um, the one of the priestesses turns out is in love with him Classic. Uh, and so she lets him go and then tells everybody that he burnt his way through his ropes wow yeah mm. uh, so step one seduce yep. your uh, seduction always a good call yes then he is captured by some Cretans um, who have been hired by the Spartans um, and they capture him and they um, take him to a farmhouse to keep him there until somebody can come and get him. Um, but the there's just a woman and her daughter living there uh, because her father has died. And the daughter claims that she has a dream that mm-hmm. a lion is brought to her house by some wolves and that she releases the lion um, and she realises that obviously he is the lion and she's going to have to release him that um, is a new so, one yeah. um, alternatively she fancies him um, and so she <laughs> does a classic mm-hmm. gets all of the guards drunk mm-hmm. gives them loads of wine steals their swords, gives them to him and then lets him go I don't think I'm going to give him credit for that escape no he doesn't really do anything and then he as a reward um gives her as a wife to his son and Pausanias is like this is a great reward because his son is under 18 (laughs) um and which is a bit like is there a sentence missing here like (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I can hear like all of the Tumblr kids who think that if you even blink at an under 18 year old then you're a beautiful screaming mm. into the walls yeah. um, anyway finally he is captured by the Spartans after he is hit in the head with a stone during a battle mm-hmm. um, it's like a pretty that's a pretty embarrassing way to go down in a battle it's it is like... an embarrassing way to go down in a battle um, and they throw him into what they have in lieu of a prison which is an abyss called the Cadas, sure. um, which is like a, a chasm 
basically. Um, Doesn't sound comfortable. No, I don't know if you've been to Greece, but there's a lot of mountains and chasms and things you can fall down. Mm. Um, so it's one of those. And basically, they just throw people in there and leave them to die. Sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, as good as you And then, so he effectively falls on a load of corpses. He spends two days lying under his own cloak, feeling sorry for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone gets and on to the th- wallow for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, he gets two days of wallowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the third day he hears a noise and he looks takes his he opens his eyes and sees that there is a fox gnawing on the corpses around him mm-hmm. and he thinks if a fox got in here then a fox is getting out of here and yeah. if a fox is getting out of here there's a way out of here yeah um so there's then a bit where you're like i have literally no idea he catches the fox and lets the fox bite him okay Possibly he was just hungry and confused. Um, <laughs> he then lets the fox go, and the fox bolts, obviously, for the hole that is used to get in, and he follows, finds the little hole, um, and then uses his hands to kind of dig his way out, thus mm-hmm. escaping from a place that the Spartans believe to be an inescapable abyss. Yeah, that's pretty good. That uh, one's pretty good. That one is pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, so that's his three great escapes. Yeah. I mean, he's. I'm only giving him credit for two of them. Um, <laughs> I mean, one of them, he maybe burnt his things. No, he was released by a woman. Yeah, but. because she had a prophetic dream. Um, uh, no, that's the other one. Uh, the second one. The second one. Mm. Twice he's released by a girl. But at least the first girl he did seduce her, and the second the second girl it seems like she might have just done that herself. I mean, she had a prophetic dream. I don't know what more you need. Uh. If you can prove that he gave her the prophetic dream, then maybe I will reconsider. I think the implication the implication is that the gods were on her side. I'm not willing to take that one. I'm and afraid. they therefore sent her a um, a dream about a lion. Yeah, in order to encourage her to let him go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> oh, well. I tell you, the ancients are not really into great escape stories. Um, it's a shame. It is a shame. They're just not really interested. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's that's our... That's all escapes. our great escapes. Yeah. Delightful. That's Fun not a bad time. one. It's not a bad one. What are we going to talk about next time? Our next question is from Anna Cora. Uh, and she says, how much of the mythical Amazon stories were true? Was there really a civilization of all women? And if so, how close was it to the stories we have today of the Amazons? Yeah, that's going to be so, a lot of fun. We're going to talk about Amazons and yeah. Wonder Woman, I guess. Um, and where can people find us to ask their own question? They can ask their own questions at historyisexy.com and they can also support us there and support us as a one-off buy us a coffee or um they can support us monthly just because they like us or they can buy a t-shirt or uh, do all kinds of things and have a look at the show notes um and yeah all the rest delightful Uh, and that's the best place to find us you can uh, ask us questions send us messages say hello all the rest of it yeah that would be great yeah yeah and until then bye janina bye